0: Welcome to Oh, I Like That, a podcast about things we like and occasionally things we don't. I'm Rachel Wilkerson-Miller.
1: And I'm Sally Tamarkin.
0: Hello, Sally.
1: I feel like after I say that, we should be like, and we're…
0: I know. It It does. We <laughs> always have this moment of pause of like, so who's going to be the one to say something now? Right.
1: Let's come up with a tagline. <laughs> Decide what we are.
0: Mm. The… And we're…
1: Like... Shorty and the—I don't know. thinking about like a uh, like a morning drive like time. A morning, thing. Yep. yeah, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> there's uh, a, yeah. There's always, yeah. There's. I don't know one which one of like, us is
1: shorty. I guess me. I'm yep. shorter. Yeah, you are.
0: But they're never that simple. It's always like the mad scientist or something yeah. like really Shorty and the mad outrageous. scientist. No, like Shorty is the mad scientist. Oh, Shorty is the mad Yeah. And then it's like it. <laughs> the boss or whatever. whatever. I'm glad <laughs> I'm like free of drive time radio at this point in my life.
1: Having said that, we are Shorty and the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> what's, what's the vibe right now aside from loopy and strange? Mm. The vibe is also good mail day,
0: which is Mm. one of the best vibes out there. So I am really excited because as you know well, getting mail and packages is one of the more exciting aspects of life right now. And two packages – I've received word from the the shipping services that two packages I've been waiting on have been delivered, but not from my building yet. So – They're like here somewhere, but not like in the system. But it's a lot of yarn. So I'm really excited. Looking forward to a weekend filled with knitting projects and getting to open a box full of beautiful yarn in a few short hours.
1: I love that. Yeah. Tracking arriving packages is the equivalent of like going to like the Super Bowl in Mm non-pandemic times. It's like the best entertainment we have. (laughs) It reminds me of friend and former guest of the show, Casey Guerin once said, "I, I texted her because I was standing on my porch and this guy rode by on a bicycle and his entire naked Rear end. Trying to think of the funniest word for butt. I feel like it might be like rear, rear rump. Rump Rump is good. Yeah, Yeah. I like that we both went there. Yeah, entire naked rump was Mm -hmm. visible. Like his pants were just not fully like Mm -hmm. where they needed to be. And I don't know why I thought that was so hilarious at the moment, but I thought it was. So I texted Casey to tell her about it, and she was like, "This is live entertainment during the pandemic. It's Mm -hmm. like the best we have." And I, I feel the same way about
0: mail and tracking mail. Yeah, I'm I'm waking up to like see a a 6.32am, you know, or 4.32am, you know, in Brooklyn, New York, Texas is is really doing a lot for me, you know, serotonin wise. So I'm looking forward to
1: that. Okay, cool. Well, just really quickly, because we have a really fun show. The vibe for me is kind of rainy and sleepy. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's weirdly like warm here. It's in the 50s and it's rainy and gray. And I'm, I'm working on the next issue of the Veronica Mars rewatch newsletter and I'm watching an episode for it that I don't like and I've realized it's just sort of boring. And so I'm just feeling an overall like sleepiness descend upon me. But we're about to get really hype and unsleepy here at the Oh, I Like That headquarters. (laughs) We have a very special guest joining us here at Oh, I Like That headquarters with Shorty and the boss, Caroline Moss. Caroline, welcome to Oh, I Like That.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
1: We are thrilled you're here. Let me tell our like heads a little bit about who you are. (laughs) Caroline Moss is an author and the host of G thanks just bought it a smart shopping and product recommendation podcast. Her book, Hey Ladies, was named one of Vogue's best gift picks in twenty eighteen and she has written for a number of outlets you've heard
2: of and maybe a few you haven't Welcome, thank you for having me i'm really i'm you know i'm a big a big like head so <laughs> this is this is very big for me big day for me
0: well also. Caroline, our listeners may recognize you because the other announcement that we have for today is that we were on an episode of G Things Just Bought It very recently talking about two things very near and dear to our hearts fake food and car safety, which was, we had a great time. We had so much fun recording this episode. If you're listening to this, you can go listen to that episode after that. We will include it in the show notes and everything like that. Um, But we had such a great time that we had to have Caroline back on our show and we're very excited for our conversation today.
2: It was such a fun episode. I actually, just before we started recording, got a message from a listener who said, I'm at a car dealership right now, buying a new car. And the car dealership had commissioned their own fake, coffee mug with their logo on it spilling coffee onto the desk she took a picture and sent it to me so honestly it's funny because like the the cross I knew the crossover between fake food (laughs) and car safety would be a hit but like the amount of (laughs) safety heads out there and the amount of fake food Mm -hmm. heads out there you guys you Mm -hmm. guys touched a generation last time (laughs) honestly honestly the, you did
0: the thing that's so funny about that is I thought for sure you were going to say that they commissioned their own car safety kits and Me I was going to be like that's amazing more car dealerships should do that no, so this you, really went into yeah that went in a new direction I yeah. love it I think they should maybe think about car safety next but I'm not mad about the spills I am in fact delighted by that <laughs>
2: definitely an yeah interesting that's incredible of budget you know but, uh-huh. but you know we're you know growth growth it's only February there's so much room for growth this year maybe car safety kits are down the road I will actually I will message back that listener and tell them to slip them a note across the table and say, you know, next time, how about car safety Mm -hmm. kits?
0: That's so good. Well, we should get to the topic of the day. We could obviously talk about car safety freshly all over again, because there've been more developments since our first conversation, but we will keep focused on the topic at hand, which is Real Housewives. (sighs)
2: So happy. (laughs) But
1: let me, just like for background, We had so much fun recording Caroline with you that we were like, let's have Caroline on our podcast. What should it be about? Like what? And, you know, I think there are a number of things the three of us could talk about and we would have a great time. But the thing is, you are kind of a scholar Mm -hmm. of the Real Housewives cinematic universe. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're something of an expert. and. I I really don't have any experience with Real Housewives. And Rachel, like you're somewhere between us, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we thought who better to talk to like heads about Real Housewives than the expert in our midst. So here we are. And we we would love for you to share all of your scholarship with us.
2: Wow, I'm so happy to be asked to talk about my favorite topic. <laughs> and yeah, so so it's, it's interesting. I go hard for some cities, and then others I know nothing about. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. So, so I have my nu- my nuclear my nuclear orbit of Housewives cities. These are the ones that I would win at any bar trivia. I can speak entire episodes from memory (laughs) they're they the comfort to me I watched episodes over and over again those cities are New Jersey and New York and whether that's because I'm from New York and and have always felt familiar with sort of like the cadence at which they speak the topics at which they talk about and just their general vibe I don't know but those are the cities that really have been, I am like, I go very hard for in the second ring would be Orange County, Beverly Hills, Atlanta. Those I have watched, but I would not win at bar trivia. I would not, I would not get a five on AP real housewives. I might get like (laughs) between a three and a half and a four if they do halves. So yeah, I mean, I, but I am such a big fan of New York and New Jersey and I have been since they came on the air so it's been like 15 16 years and I, I think it's ama- I, mean, I think it's amazing television and I'm just I'm here to answer your questions. so please <laughs> just like lay it on what do you want to know? I mean Rachel, I know that you went through a pandemic you know sort of journey into some of these cities. Sally, I know that you are really just this is not your wheelhouse at all. so what can I tell like what can I tell you? What can I tell you?
1: I have so so many questions and I'm going to ask them all to you. <laughs> but first, I just I think that we should go around and kind of talk about what our experience is with reality TV generally and also Real Housewives specifically just to kind of give some context to like where we're coming at this from. So Caroline, we know a little bit about your housewife's journey, but what where do things start for you reality TV wise?
2: It's interesting. I'm actually an I was really an early reality television adopter. I have a Patreon right now with my friend Nora McInerney, who hosts Terrible Things for Asking, which is essentially like a re an exploration of A crucial time in reality show history which is like 2000 to 2010 there's like a huge split between that and then what comes after Hmm. i think i for me i think i started with a lot of the you know i watched like real world road rules i watched and we talk about this on the patreon too the newlyweds show with nick lachey and jessica simpson is like a masterclass on early reality (laughs) television. I Mm -hmm. watched it. I watched it at the time because it was interesting to me. It was a new format of television. I'm not going to pretend at 14 that I was like doing watching television for any other reason than the fact that it was entertaining. (laughs) But as an adult, as like, you know, 20 years later, I think my reality television journey now has really been shaped by how much I watched when I was a teen and in college, because it's almost like two completely different genres of television. Mm. Like the the modernized reality TV versus like what we were watching in 2003. So for me it was the Laguna Beaches, the Hills, Newlyweds, literally anything on MTV I was watching and and th- I remain a steadfast reality purveyor.
1: <laughs> I I can already tell that you're at like kind of god tier reality tv (laughs) watching an analysis because you've just talked about like different eras in reality tv and i was like oh shit okay we're we're in a whole other uh, we're in a whole other realm of understanding the cultural significance of reality tv so i'm psyched yeah okay so rachel let's go we're going i think in order of like expertise with reality tv you're you're definitely number two here Okay, well,
0: I think this is actually a good reminder because I kind of forgot about my own involvement in that MTV era. So I also watched Newlyweds. I actually owned a, one of the seasons on DVD. Maybe still do. I need to like get out a box with old DVDs in it and double check on that. But so I liked it enough for that, and never like never really got into The Hills or Laguna Beach as much, and didn't do any like Survivor, any of those kind of reality shows. Tried to watch. I watched like a season of The Bachelor and and it was a struggle. I, it's like, it's not for me. And then got back into it during the pandemic with Selling Sunset, which as we've said in the past led to our group chat and that now talks about everything, not just reality shows. But it is funny that that's the thing that we all like bonded over because that's not what I would have, I don't think, it's just the idea that either Sally or me are in a group chat that started around Selling Sunset is like not really <laughs> what I would have assumed for myself or for Sally. But that kind of like opened me up to the world. And then I think from there, it was easy to sell me on like, oh, if you have enjoyed this, you should definitely watch Real Housewives. And, you know, Selling Sunset has a lot of things going for it. But I do feel like in a lot of ways, Real Housewives is superior just at like an entertainment level. Like it's it's just mm-hmm. a better show. It's like there's more substance there. Like there, it's just like better. And Caroline can kind of get into like what makes it good and watchable. I think the pacing is a lot better. There's just a lot going for it. So Selling Sunset like restarted this journey anew for me. And now I've done New York, Potomac, and a little bit of Beverly Hills. And I'm like, and some Salt Lake, like all of the existing Salt Lake City. And I'm like very aware of kind of what's happening or has happened on the other franchises without watching them as much. Oh, we've also watched Southern Charm. I've talked about that too on various podcasts. So I feel like Southern Charm kind of falls in the middle of those two. So decent familiarity now with the genre. What about you, Sally?
1: Okay. I I Maybe actually Caroline and you as well, Rachel, can figure out what the through line is of like reality TV that I like and what I don't because I'm not really sure what the through line is. I grew up watching Real World New York, mm-hmm. the first three seasons. It premiered in 1992. So I was like 13. And then San Francisco and LA, I loved them, watched them. like so many times and then like i would sometimes catch like some of the other cities on there like if you throw you got your miamis Mm -hmm. you got your londons Mm -hmm. i've seen road rules like here and there but i don't really think since like the mid 90s or the late 90s and then i think the only other show besides selling sunset that i have watched with any kind of like regularity is rupaul's drag race Mm. i don't really watch it anymore but like When I started dating my partner, she was really into it. And so we watched it for like several seasons. And here and there, I'll get into something like our friend Terry was talking about Below Deck. So I watched that for a while and I enjoyed it. And then we watched like Below Deck, like Mediterranean, and it just was like dark and weird. And so we stopped (laughs) watching it. I have seen The Hills. I have seen Laguna Beach. I I have seen the Jessica Simpson one, but like I've never really – the only shows that I've ever really – really shows that I've stuck with I think would be like Real World and Selling Sunset. And even Selling Sunset, like I watched – like the most recent season I, I watched like a couple episodes with my partner and then the rest of them I, she, I was there when she watched them. And between that and Twitter and her group chat, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, whatever. I, yeah. I've, so I don't know. It, it tends to not stick as much, but I'm, not, but like, the Real Housewives is its whole own, to me, it seems like its whole own, like, genre of reality TV. I think that's that, right. That I've never, like, dipped a toe in. And mm-hmm. side note is Vanderpump Rules related to Real off. Housewives? Yeah, it's a spinoff mm-hmm.
2: from Beverly Hills.
1: Okay, great. That, Clears up a lot of things for me. Sally, <laughs>
2: what I'm hearing from you is that you are a purist in the fact that, you know, real world New York and the earliest couple of seasons. And I am married to a real world scholar as well. Oh, so you exciting. went, you were very we have early. So much in common. You really we do. And we have you and Dan have a lot a lot in common. You're a purist in two different eras of reality television. Like I would say sunset is sort of like Selling Sunset is very much, uh, you know, a prime example of, of the kind of reality show you want to watch now. And A Very Early Real World is a prime example of the kind of reality show that you would want to watch then. And mm-hmm. you're only watching, you know, the Wagyu beef of reality television. You know, you're, not, <laughs> you're not here for the London broil of reality television. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm eating fancy. at the full buffet if we're going to make that analogy. I love that. Yeah. Can
1: you like just can you explain I don't know if it's like too long for you to get into but mm-hmm. I'm really interested in like the two different eras of reality TV.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, there it's a really simple way to think about it, right? Like, you know, uh, the beginning, uh, I wouldn't even put Real World in this category because that was a thing all of its own. I think like if you think about because the whole premise of real world was like throw seven strangers in a house and just make like document them. It was, it was more documentary I think than, than reality Mm. television. There's kind of a difference in that. And then you get into the newlyweds and Laguna beach and the Hills. And what it is, is it like it has notes of being a documentary, but there's also some, there's also, you can see the sort of evolution of like, well, what is this? episode about how are we going to build a story around who mm. are these people why does it matter because the real world is very much like you get it like these seven people don't know each other they're in this house they have to work at a job and they're all very different and you know why they're different one here's here's a black man here's a man who has aids here's a mormon who's never been around gay people like okay we get it you're all so different that of course there's going to be friction but what do you get when you go into a high school in 2004 and you just film you know, the most popular, beautiful people like where like you have to have something there. So in the Laguna Beach era, you know, and I think really a a lot of the earliest housewives, including New York and New Jersey, you just get this sort of documentary style film filming with notes of like very lightly produced and maybe not clearly produced drama to keep a story and a narrative threading through an entire season. And then moving into, you know, the reality of today, it's so tight. It's so produced. You have the talking heads, you know, we, Laguna beach in the Hills didn't have talking heads and talking heads was something that, you know, you saw in the real world in terms of confession, the confessionals, but you see all the time in housewives now and, and, mm. And in Selling Sunset, which is literally like producers have all of their footage. They put it together and then they come up with all these questions to literally like lead the cast into making that narrative for them in a way that feels not necessarily scripted, but prompted. So it's tight mm-hmm. and it's like the dra- the drama is correct. You also have the benefit of people being on these shows who are familiar with reality television like Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey getting married and then agreeing for MTV to film their first several years of marriage without any sort of blueprint for what this could look like or turn into is is really psychotic and <laughs> you also sort of understand why that marriage didn't work out and I think there's a lot of reasons but I would I would be surprised if they wouldn't cite newlyweds as one of the reasons because you know you reality stars Salt Lake City, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, the newest of the franchises. Like, If you are a woman who's like, I want to be on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, you know exactly what's going to happen. You know exactly what you have to do. You know exactly what opportunities are going to come your way. You know, essentially what you're getting into. Like Jessica Simpson in 2004 was like, yeah, come film me. Like, She didn't get dolled up for every episode. She didn't think about how she looked on camera, how her attitude looked on camera. Nick didn't think about the way he talked to his, you know, it's a huge difference. So because so much of Real Housewives sort of started on one side of that era and is now very fully immersed into a new era, I find that like to be very interesting. And part Mm -hmm. of the reason why I like New Jersey and New York the best is that it's been on so long that there is a clear split between producers sort of like testing the water and then also being like, we know, like we know the formula and we're just going to produce, produce, produce.
1: That's interesting. That kind of like, that makes sense to me. Like, I think a, a thing that like we talk about, I think sometimes in the group chat or I talk about with Andrea when we're watching Selling Sunset is like, these people wear this to work and like this is their makeup. Like, it's just like the they all you know, how when people get makeup done for being on stage, it's very like garish, so yeah. that it like reads in the back row. Yeah, that's like what they look like to me. And I'm like, but it's you're right, it's like it's so much more like produced. And I don't think I thought of it like I wasn't thinking about it in that context of like why that would be that has, like, an actual, like, reason and a root in, like,
2: the development of, like, reality TV. I also want to add, if you don't mind, because I think this is, like, the easiest way to think about it and the most important thing to think about it is The Bachelor, which I don't watch for a lot of different reasons. I find it so boring. It's, like, too formulaic. It's, like, we get it. But if you think about The Bachelor, which started in, like, 2001 or 2002, you know, we are in pre social media, pre real full-time mm-hmm. internet, pre iPhone. So, and this show has been on for so long, but you uh, but you see now like the going on The Bachelor in the beginning is different than going on The Bachelor now because people go on The Bachelor now not to find love, but to grow their Instagram following. Like no one really like you can tell, like no one really cares. Mm-hmm. And I necessarily I don't really care. I don't care what reasons you're there for, but There's uh, a knowledge now, like if you're on television, if you're on The Bachelor, you're a part of, you know, what they call Bachelor Nation. And it's like a special, I know, Sally's making a face. I totally agree. But it's like, who cares about love? You're looking for airtime. You're looking to be, maybe you want an angle to be on their Bachelor in Paradise spinoff show, which is their like sort of dating, like fast and loose sort of more exciting reality show like it's not about the the finding love with this one person but they'll have you believe that it is you know so there's a disconnect I think between one of the reasons I don't like bachelor I think is because there's a disconnect between the the production and the the literal reality of this reality show and I think Mm -hmm. that's why I like housewives the most I find it to be a little bit more believable
0: yeah I think you can tell when when Housewives isn't feeling believable, you can tell when people are self-producing, you can tell when there isn't actually a good and real storyline at the center of it. And that's true across seasons, but also from franchise to franchise, like going from Potomac to Beverly Hills is like night and day to me. It's just like Potomac, the people on the show have like real, I don't want to say like real problems, but they just have like, like the things that they're their drama their storylines are just so much more like rooted in a reality that is interesting and fun Mm. to watch Mm -hmm. and 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 that can again change from season to season or between franchises but I think one of the things that's been interesting to me is like now that we're getting the first few COVID seasons it's also a totally different tone and they haven't been very good if in my mind and like there's many reasons for that and it's kind of just like yeah like you, there's COVID like it's not going to feel the same and it affects the things that you care about and the things that you can go do and the things that can lead to more drama and that kind of thing so right there is like there are things that are rooting it in reality and that's I think what makes the best shows good is that that they do feel like oh no some of these women actually really 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 don't like each other or the conflict feels more real or the friendships yeah. feel more real the loyalties feel more real it doesn't feel like just like, you know, conflict for the sake of it. Sometimes it does. And that's when it, that's when you're like, I'm turning this off. I've had enough.
2: I think that's one of the reasons why I like and if you want to talk about a specific city, New Jersey, the most because it's a lot of family drama. So, you know, it's real to some extent. And if it's not real, you're like, wow, you're like ruining your family for TV. So either way, <laughs> like I'm completely invested.
0: I think that's one of the things that's interesting and that stuck out to me with Southern Charm watching it over and over again. There was just this point where it's like, these people just shouldn't be friends anymore. Like the conflicts yes. that they're attempting to solve are solved by not being friends with these people anymore. They don't have that's right. something that's actually tying them to each other. So family is a really good way to do that. That's right. But when you have franchises where two of the people have been friends you know best friends for 10 or 20 years like that also gives you that sense like you mm-hmm. do need something that makes these things feel real and it's like if you take the friendships out of it and you think of these as co-worker relationships that also gives you like an a, a, an interesting insight into the dynamic but it really does help when you've, you've got like core friendships or family relationships or something at the heart of it that's like yeah you can't just walk away you do actually need to have some resolution here and yeah. I think the worst franchises are the ones where they don't know how to resolve conflict which I think is what's happening on Salt Lake City this season yes or where it's just like you guys are so different you have no overlap you have nothing in common so like this these why are you all here together it doesn't make sense
1: that's right so can I I I need some remediation because I like I because I've never seen it and I I was gonna maybe watch some before we recorded but I wanted to come in fresh and clean and like a blank slate so Caroline can you like explain Real Housewives as a franchise and just like what is the deal with it? What's the appeal? What is a typical episode? Maybe even like in your mind, tell us like what the pitch is for it in terms of like why why that show versus like any other reality show.
2: Yeah. So Real Housewives started when Bravo was turning from being like the arts channel. <laughs> it was like boring. And like opera. Yeah, and opera. Right, exactly. And they were trying to be like younger. This guy, I can't remember his name. I think it's Scott Dunlop, pitched behind the gate, which was eventually The Real Housewives of Orange County. And it was, you know, he basically lived in that neighborhood. He asked a few of his neighbors, you know, do you want to be filmed? Of course, again, 2005, 2006, you're like, yeah, I get like what's going to happen. Nothing's going to come of this. Like, I don't really understand what you're doing. You know, so that's where that started. And then they called it the Real Housewives of Orange County instead of Behind the Gate, because somewhere very early on, one of the producers at Bravo was like, we could make this into other cities. So we should call it like the ho- Real Housewives of Orange County. Next came New York, and that started as a show called Manhattan Moms. So if you watch the first season of New York, there is so much focus on these women's kids. And then they decided sort of at the 11th hour, like, nope, this is the Real Housewives of, you know, New York. So it it's hard to pitch Real Housewives of your and real housewives of now, because they're two completely different shows, but ideally what real housewives is and what it still is. I think at its very core is like five to seven women who live in a city that has something distinct about it that separates them from maybe women in any other city, which is why it's so great that they can do it across a million cities. You know, everyone has the Jersey one was really family related and it was very Sopranos. It was very like, you know, like we don't go against the family and like thick Jersey accents. New York is all of these women who are really ambitious and they have their own businesses and orange County are women who like really defer to their husbands on everything, like kind of good, bad, ugly. Like you see these different kinds of cultural bullet points that I think kind of teach you about, okay, well, this is what it's like to be a housewife in this place. And housewife is a term used loosely. A lot of them have jobs. A lot, some of them don't have kids, you know, it kind of goes, it goes from the pack. The women are all between, you know, at the time they were younger, but because a lot of these women kind of grew with the show, I would say the women are all between like 35 and 60 now, but they started as 25 to 45. And yeah, so it's, it's women who are like, some of them are friends, some of them are family, especially in the beginning, you know, they would find one woman and then they'd be like, well, who else should be on the show kind of thing. And it started in that documentary style, which is like, let's follow them around. What's it like living in New York? What's it like being a housewife in New Jersey? You know, what's it like living in Orange County? Now it's like, okay, you have a mix of these personalities that you've gotten to know over the last 15 years. There are these OGs who sort of run the show. You know what to expect from them mixed in with like a few new people here and there. And there is real produced, you know, produced drama. Some, some seasons I will say boils down to like, you're talking about me behind my back and no, I'm not. And that literally just goes (laughs) on for like 13 episodes. And, but the beginning, what I love about, the Real Housewives and like the the seasons that I am big, biggest fans of is that beginning part where it's like, yeah, you are seeing women fight with each other. Yeah, you are seeing people do like insane things. But it's also very much like these women didn't know they were going to become famous. They didn't think you can just tell. I don't think the show is going to go anywhere. Who's going to watch this? There's a real um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but but the pitch of watching seasons now is you get a tight selling sunset like show. but. The benefit of watching the old seasons is you really see no inner wheels turning. You just see Mm. women being extremely open because they probably didn't think anyone was going to ever see it. And now there's a little bit more what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, self awareness now. A self awareness. You know, people know what they have to do to stay on the show. So I always say if you're new, you should, you should. And you're interested. You should come in on the earliest seasons. They might not be the most drama filled, but I think they're the most interesting.
0: I think we should also talk a little bit about like the aspirational aspect of this or lack thereof, because it's like a real mix. And we get this from selling Sunset, Sunset too, where it's like part of the pitch of like Housewives of Orange County, particularly when it first launched is like these are rich women we want to see how rich women live like that's aspirational they have these big homes and they get to take fabulous vacations and they have incredible closets filled with incredible shoes and right. purses and like there is so there is that aspect of it that is like aspirational sort of like a an obj- in an objective sense but then it's like okay but they're also rich women mostly white women in like incredibly wealthy zip codes so they're not good people in a lot of cases. <laughs> and and so it's like, it's not aspirational in a lot of ways. It's like, these people are horrible. Why do we love watching them? Because it's, I don't, my, my coworker Alex actually recently wrote about this in the context of one of the most recent things that has happened with this person getting fired for just like horrific racism. Mm-hmm. And he's his argument is like, Of like the point is that they're horrible and it's fun to watch rich people sort of humiliate themselves that's right and so of course you're going to have racists in the mix because they are wealthy people who like like that's why they're on this show and so it is a blend of like you know there's been a lot I think written about like how people like Casey Wilson I was just watching something she was saying the other night she's I'm an actress, but she also has a podcast about real housewives and is like a huge, huge, huge fan. And she's saying, like, I don't want my I don't want my housewives in therapy. I don't want them going to yoga because like that doesn't make for good housewives. You don't want people right. who are like centered and behaving well, but there is a really fine line to walk because you also don't want to watch people who are so horrible and so, so tone-deaf. So I think that's actually where like the expertise of the producers comes in because first it's about casting people who are like charismatic enough to be able to be, you know, different varying levels of shitty but you still want them there and sometimes you want them there kind of as like the cat or the villain but some like it's a real balance and I think the show is like re-reckoning with this but I think I want to make clear like as people watching it we're not like watching it because we like them not really I mean there's like I have my favorites but so often I'm muttering god I hate these women while I'm watching the show but like but it's not a hate watch either I don't know how to explain it it's just women. it's a a bit more like a soap opera or dynasty or something where it's like it's just rich women like being a little selfish in ver- to varying degrees all the way to like horribly selfish and like should probably not actually have a platform anymore.
1: That's right. It sounds like kind of a a le- a lower key less like psychologically dark succession just in the sense of like watching rich people be awful. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I and I think that's I think that is why I love the earlier seasons because Nora and I talk about this on the Patreon all the time. There is also a huge shift with how people talked about and displayed their wealth, you know, pre pre recession and post recession. Mm-hmm. There was and New Jersey is what, what I love so much because there's so much like tacky opulence in this nouveau riche sort of way in New Jersey. It's like I'm building my house and it's all made out of marble and stone and onyx. and I'm literally <laughs> direct quoting like. Teresa Judice, who literally went to jail between season six and seven for mortgage fraud, is on camera in season one in 2007, right before the crash, building a $4 million house. She absolutely cannot afford saying the reason I'm building a house is because I don't want to live in a house that someone else has lived in. That's disgusting. Like, imagine (laughs) like there is a lack of self-awareness there. That's like, this is cute. And I'm funny. Like, to Rachel's point, too, what's happening now in the world of housewives is the fact that, like, in the last two years, we have now been dealt two extreme, like, sort of global moments one being Black Lives Matter, kind of being pushed to the forefront of the conversation, two being the pandemic. And it was fun to watch a person like Ramona singer, who is the original New York housewife sort of being, she is an asshole. She's an asshole. She has no filter. She's so incredibly entertaining to watch because she's such an asshole. But when her asshole dumb veers into hurting people on like a global level, I think a lot has been like reined in on that. And Black Lives Matter aside, the fact that she's absolutely voted for Trump, I think even said she voted for Trump and is incredibly racist aside. When the pandemic happened, Ramona was like very early, like, I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to Florida like I'm not sick. Like we're talking like May 2020. And and when you see someone with that kind of a platform and someone who has made their money being an asshole for entertainment, all of a sudden getting on a plane and being like, I don't fucking care. Like, sorry, if you're not allowed to curse here, getting on, getting on a plane and saying like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm not sick and I have a house in Miami and I'm getting on a plane and it's April, 2020. And like, what are you you know, who cares? Then you're like, wait a minute. Like we have now, we have now co-signed the idea that like, we love how much we hate her so much that we are now allowing her to spew this kind of grotesque. She's not necessarily like anti-vax, but she's like at Mar-a-Lago and she's like a, she's like a dick and she, she made her name and her money being a dick. And I helped her do that because I love watching. Right. So I think that's what we're seeing And the, you know, there's a point where it's like after 16 years on a show, you can't, We as uh, viewers, we can't really let them play dumb anymore about like, well, you know, I'm just I'm just a woman from the Upper East Side. Like, it doesn't matter what (laughs) I think. Like, well, no, now you are a big television star and you have been on television nonstop for the better half of this century (laughs) so far. So So this this person is still on the show. She is. Yeah. She but the show awful. is, like,
1: in between
0: seasons and it's unclear if it's going to come back. And, the, and and her behavior is part of that. Like, it's it's very clear that Bravo is not quite sure what to do. Like,
2: yeah.
0: with the, their last season was a mess for multiple reasons. And they yeah. canceled the reunion, which never happened. So, like, that's very up in the air. And it's, like, they are having a reckoning right now. And the the cast member from Salt Lake City who got fired for being racist, like, the, uh, the conversation that was happening at the time was like great job do Ramona next like wow. she did yeah. he, like did. so that conversation is very much happening but I also I think that like there's a real sweet spot of Real Housewives because the other thing that's happening that is very related to what Caroline's saying is that you see an increased need to sort of break the fourth wall on these shows because social media and what is happening between seasons is becoming such an ongoing plot point and the show is trying to like pretend these women aren't famous to some degree and like they don't quite know how to grapple with the fact that like one of the consistent things that keeps coming up in more recent seasons is like you're leaking stuff about, this person to blogs which is like the new version of you're talking about me behind my back and yeah. so they're having trouble figuring out how to talk about this stuff in show you know and, and my feeling is like more fourth wall breaking quite often it would just serve the show not, but you they are like to
2: at some point you, yeah
0: but they're trying to sort of maintain this like church and state thing and like keep the fantasy going sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but right. I think that like that is kind of you know indicative of this bigger thing which is just like reality TV in 2022 is like you are aware of exactly what you're doing there. And it's like if you're on The Bachelor, it's like I want to get a Sugar Bear hair gummy sponsorship. I want to enter this cottage industry of micro celebrities where like I can ride this ticket for a long time and probably maybe into something bigger, but also probably just like not really. But like so there's just like people are more um, strategic and I think shrewd about these things. But then when they get on the
2: show, let's have mm -hmm. the – let's – then then why can't, I mean, what I wish The Bachelor would do then is pivot to be like, okay, we have all of these people here to find love, but also we are not stupid and we know all of these people are like, because Sally, the thing about Bachelor Nation is like, if I went on The Bachelor and stayed a few weeks enough to get a a kind of following, all The Bachelor people end up dating each other. So if there's someone who's been Mm -hmm. on a past- season of bachelor or bachelorette. I now have like, I've now risen up the ranks to be able to slide into that person's D de- like at all these different ul- ulterior motives, but still ABC is like 20 women come to find love. And it's like, <laughs> well, what, you know, I, these producers are smart, pivot the television show. There's something else. There's something else here to talk about. And I think that's what housewives mm-hmm. is doing right now, which is like, yeah. you know, Ramona singer started filming when she was 49 and she is 65 like she looks good yes because she gets a lot of work done and honestly half of her personality is talking about ageless by Ramona how, skincare
0: yeah how good she looks but, and why
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly but like this woman is 65 years old at some point and not to be ageist at all but like you have cycled through literally every storyline we could tell about you Like you are sixty five. Your daughter was eleven when the show started. She's twenty five now. Like let's like find someone else. We need there. There needs to be like a a revitalization of the cast, and not necessarily younger. Just like Mm -mm. we're done. We Ramona has done her thing. She'll be fine. Ramona will be fine. And I think that's probably that conversation happening in the background. But it's that's why I find it so delightful to watch the early seasons, and I really. Sally, I really – if you're going to start anywhere, I really want you to start with Jersey. Jersey, okay. And like an early Jersey season. Season
1: one.
0: I I, I feel like in talking about like what assholes these women are, we aren't doing a good job of explaining why we like this show. So actually age is kind of what made me think of it because actually one of the things that I do like is that the women have aged and they've kept them on and – I, I think, like, again, if they bring in a fresh cast, which, like, needs to happen for many, many reasons, I, I'm like, the women should be 45. Like, let's, like, 45. like raise yeah. that ceiling. Like, yeah. it's so great to be able to see older women living their lives and what concerns I'm Like, we don't really have that on TV in this way anymore. And, like, I love that about it. I love that, like, they have adult children and, are, like, have been divorced or some are widows. Like, they have interesting lives. And I'm like, this is such a nice thing yes. that we get to see this. Again, like, I don't want to... Uh, downplay that like a lot of these women are horrible assholes, but like (laughs) just at a base level, it is nice that like we have created, you know, influencers. I mean, is it ever nice to create influencers? I don't know. But like the fact that like there is some, that we are getting to see older women living their lives and being fabulous is like, is fun. And I like that about it. And I also think, Sally, this might speak to you, but like the way that we watch it, I think is a bit like the way we read Am I the Asshole, where like we're pausing constantly, like at least when I'm watching with my girlfriend, we're pausing constantly like to discuss what's happening. Like it really serves as a sort of way to talk through social dynamics and the rules of friendships and loyalty and like what is and isn't okay. And that is endlessly fascinating, especially when you couple it with like these different personality types and different archetypes that start to emerge and those kinds of things. And so it just serves as, like, a really interesting sort of social, like, vehicle, for lack of a better word. And I think that, like, so it's both social in the sense of, like, watching these social dynamics play out. But then there is the sort of fan connection and those conversations from, you know, like, there's a great article about BravoCon from Jezebel from a couple years ago about, like, the people who have come and why. And, like, so much of it is about, like, the community of it. And, like, that's not really why I'm watching it, but I do think it's worth mentioning that like the, the being a fan is also a sort of a social thing that even if it's not like community, like I love that this is something I can always talk to Caroline and Terry about, like that's a fun thing to have. And I think that that appeals to a lot of people. So it is like fun and light and silly. And and even when it does sort of force you to like grapple with bigger issues, it's like- through this thing that is ultimately like we do get to see rich women being ridiculous and showing up in the most absurd head-to-toe designer mm-hmm. outfit that you've ever seen or taking a beautiful vacation. And I know we've talked about this with Selling Sunsets, like, that like the aspirational homes are really crucial to that. Appeal, and I feel like there are some of that here. Is that you want that? That's another reason the COVID seasons have been hard because they're not going yeah. on these incredible vacations anymore, which also adds a lot. That's a pretty common part of the show. So, I think for me, the sweet spot, like the the original seasons, are like tough to get through because it's like so unpolished. I like to come in around like a season three or four, but I also, you know, trust Caroline's recommendations. I'm like, oh, now I got to start Jersey.
2: Well, I think, I mean, I think Jersey is the absolute diamond of the franchise. I, I might not be if that, I don't know that's a popular opinion, but I could, t- I could talk about Jersey forever. I don't, I wanted to clarify. I don't have a problem with Ramona being 65. I have a problem with Ramona being there for 16 years. I think we've just watched her do yeah. if they brought in another 65 year old who I could just learn Fine. about. Great. The other thing too, Sally, that I love, and I think is super interesting is that every woman, not even through the power of editing, And not even through the power of production, but just because of the longevity of some of their tenures on this show has gone through so many highs and lows that you get seasons where you're like, wow, like Dorinda is having such a good season. I agree with everything she's saying. I think she's totally right. And then the next season, you're like, wow, Dorinda's." fucking off her rocker like (laughs) everyone has their hero season everyone has their fall there's a rest there's everything it is really real in that way one of the one of the times this came up the most recently is in beverly hills because in in a bunch of different we've now they've now been around so long that a lot of them in multiple cities i can think of new york new jersey salt lake and beverly hills have been real world headlines real world Arrest issues drama Mm -hmm. that now, like Rachel said, like creep into the story where, like, yeah, we have to talk about Luann getting arrested for like escaping her handcuffs in Palm Beach because (laughs) like literally everyone in the world is talking about this. But you have, you know, in Beverly Hills right now, Erica Girardi, who is married to Tom Girardi, who is like the lawyer of like the Aaron Brockovich, real life Aaron Brockovich case, is has now been under investigation for like over a year. Her husband has is being charged with like funneling funds that belong to victims of cases that he worked. He was kind of like the do gooder pro bono, sort of like big class action case. Like if a plane went down, he was fighting for victims. Turns out he allegedly was taking money, funneling it into his wife's business. So she's that got pulled into this last season. All of this to say, Dorit, who is one of the housewives, who is married to a man named PK that pretty much universally everyone hates this season every time pk opened his mouth i was like yeah you know what pk's pk's right like this is pk's everything he says is right and i agree and what you get is all of texting your friends being like can you believe like pk's the one this year pk's the one who we agree with. He's the only one who makes any sense. And you have your favorites. Like Lisa Renna really let me down this season when she's been my favorite for a really long time, Beverly Hills. You just get invested, but they're, they're in so deep that you never see... The, they do try to, I think, choreograph the way that they want us to see them. And I think that the the reason the show is so good is that the producers are so good that it never happens that way. We really do, <laughs> We really do get... I think a very good close look at how these women live and who they are and how they interact with each other. And if someone comes on the show and isn't willing to be open, they don't stay for very long. So Hmm. the, the reason why a lot of these women have been on for a long time is that they know how to play the game. And it's not necessarily like in a production kind of way. They just are like, if I want to do this, I have, I, there's the producers will not let me act my way out of it. So I'm just going to have to be like a messy bitch who lives for drama on camera. And I'm like, great, thank you. Because that's my Wednesday night.
0: Messy is the word that keeps coming to mind for me is that it's people who are willing to be messy. And, you know, I, I've read um, Brian Moylan wrote a book. He's like written about the house size for years, and he wrote a book this past year that I read about this. And he is talking about how, like, producers know they can't, these aren't like people you put on for one season and then we never hear from again. Like, they have to keep building a relationship. They can't just, like, humiliate them and hang them out to dry, or they won't come back year right. after year. So I do think that they do a good job. But at the end of the day, like, you want people who are willing to, their part of themselves. And like, there's definitely ongoing conversations about like what things should be off limits and what shouldn't. And that's that's also super interesting to see how they work their way through it. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, these are people who are willing to be a little messy on camera, who are not trying to keep things off camera as much. And when they are, it is not well received. And then like, either they're not back or somebody just blows the whole thing up. And I think that's also what separates it from Selling Sunset. Like it just is like, Selling Sunset was just ultimately very boring because you can see this and I don't think I could see it until I watched Housewives. But there's this hesitation to like really engage, to like let your guard down, to look bad. Whereas like Ramona Singer has shit on the floor multiple times pooped on the floor over pooped her tenure. Floor. Like in where she were pooped. they? Like Cancun. She's she's like, oh no, I pooped, and like the show keeps rolling. Like no one oh even bats an eye because she just does this like over and over again.
2: Hold on. <laughs> this, this happens. happens- it once? Yeah, Ramona has GI problems that she's not, she has not addressed. I think oh. my, my like
1: all.
0: the first when I first started watching New York, I remember being up at like one AM, googling like, does cocaine cause stomach <laughs> problems? Because I was like, these I think there's a relationship between these two things. Um, Sally, things imagine <laughs>
2: imagine pooping on the floor. So the thing about Ramona is she's extremely <laughs> Trumpian, like she's extremely trun- oh, she'd be floor. like everyone poops on the floor like it's not a, what's a big deal someone will clean it up She and you're shrugs
0: like, the most outrageous I, things off
2: <laughs> if i pooped on the floor you'd never see me again on television Never. You'd she's done it me multiple me. She times poops all the time sonia morgan who was married to you know JP, one of JP of the,
0: yeah of the cha- one of morgan JP Morgan's chase boys
2: <laughs> has wears a diaper on long car rides cuz she also poops a lot and the, you're watching like it's just <laughs>
0: It's just like rich people <laughs> behaving badly. But then, like, also Sony Morgan has so many endearing qualities that you're like, don't you ever say anything wrong yeah. about Sony Morgan? But like, she's also not defensible. It's, I think, you know, Caroline, what you were saying about like people have good seasons, they have bad seasons, and we see who they are, I think is like what makes it appealing because even though it's like not reality, the people do feel real, their reactions feel real, and the like ups and downs feel real. Like, no one is, there are sort of no heroes at least not for long. And there are some villains, I think, who stay villains and then occasionally make a good point and you're like, God, I do have to give it to him. But I think that like what is nice about it is like it extends over this long period of time and you're just like, no one is all good all the time. You know, or, like, people make mistakes and you see how they grow or don't. And that's, like, also really interesting to watch, I think, is, like, once you get into a season is seeing how the the cast changes and, yeah. and when they don't and when it gets really tiresome.
2: And I think the unsung heroes are obviously the producers who – these women would try to get a, away with a lot, you know. But And I think you you see that on Selling Sunset. Like, Christine Quinn is – who Christine Quinn wants herself to be on television and producers don't challenge that. And what Real Housewives producers do and what makes the show so interesting is that it is challenged. You know, these producers are not trying to be friends and you read that in a lot of the books, including the Brian Moylan book. Like there are producers who start off in great relationships with these women and you'll hear from the women and be like, I wouldn't talk to Carlos for like two years. Because he, like, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's interesting, Sally. None of them, only, only on a very rare occasion will one of them say, like, well, I got a bad edit. Like, none of them mm. ever say, yeah, like, oh, that it was often. editing. Like, it's really, it really is, I think, an extremely well done show. But you should go to yeah. it if you want to. I think from an anthropological set, s- standpoint, especially Jersey, mm-hmm. because... You could also start Jersey season three. Rachel, if you haven't started, I really, really, really want you to start. It's so. Okay. Fu- it's family drama. These people are invested in each other for real reasons. They're related. But it's also like a time capsule of like, what, did, uh, what was it like to live in New Jersey in 2009? Okay. Like, this is everything you think. And I think one of the reasons why I like New Jersey and in, in New York so much is cuz it is very familiar to like my upbringing so I'm like, oh, I know women like that. It's kind of like when when Jersey Shore aired and like half like the majority of the world was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like what the yeah. fuck? But if you live in Jersey and New York, you're like, I went to high school with the guy like, I know that guy. I know Ronnie Self Tanner. But it, it it's really I think a lot of them have, you know, outstayed their welcome, but I think in terms of a show, it doesn't it it doesn't get enough credit for being as solid as it is on the production level. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I
1: definitely am getting, I have, have a different impression of it now than I did going into this. Like I didn't, I didn't understand how or why it could be like meaningfully different from Selling Sunset. I assumed it was just like Selling Sunset with like a slightly different premise. So this is really helpful. I will check out early New Jersey and I, I think the thing that so far is like the most kind of compelling to me is what you said about how you see them actually engaging and with like being messy. Because like one of the things about selling Sunset that I find really frustrating and unsatisfying is that someone will often, almost always Christine, will behave in a completely like bananas, unacceptable, antisocial way and like people will kind of talk about it behind her back sort of, but like until the, the most recent season, it was rare that like there was any kind of a reckoning and people were just like acting like maybe like mad at her or, well, you know, Christine, she's going to be Christine, but like not really reacting in in what I think is a way people would really behave when they have someone in their midst who's sowing chaos in the way Christine does. And so it it would just be kind of like, unsatisfying for me. And because there is that like reluctance either for like the people or the producers to make these people, I mean, you know, if that was your real workplace, you know, you would have to be having like meetings and shit and like HR would be getting involved and there would be, you know what I'm saying? There would be like, there was like, there's like a couple conversations in the most recent season where, one of the twins says to, uh, Davina or no, not Davina. Who do they like say can, maybe it is Davina. They're like, you can come back and work here. But if you start like, like being a fucking menace, like you're out. Like there's like a, there's like a few moments like that and where it's like, okay, like now we're getting some actual like reckoning with the real world consequences of people Behaving like the Joker in their workplace, but it's so it's so rare, and that to me is not that interesting because it's like you see someone behaving in this way, and then that's it, and then you can text your friends and be like, "Can you believe Christine did that?" But it's like, okay, but like, how does that change their lives or their friendships or the way they work together or anything? And it doesn't as much as like I as if you are want it to. And it sounds like Real Housewives maybe at least the earlier seasons would like deliver on that a little bit more. even
2: the later ones. Yeah. Sally, I also want to point mm-hmm. out selling sunset is an Adam DeVello joint when, and he did the Hills as well. And you can see a lot of similarities oh. between the Hills and selling sunset, which is that there really is, you have your archetype of person and there's really no challenging who that person is. If you want Lauren to be the hero every season, you give Lauren the hero edit every season. Lauren is an intern at Teen Vogue. No, she is not. She is filming a television show called The Hills. And one of the parts of the show is that she is an intern at Teen Vogue. Just like when you watch Selling Sunset, you're like, this is entertaining, but I don't actually think I'm watching people who sell houses for a living. Right, okay. And that's fine. Real Housewives is literally, I really think you should watch it. Because I think after watching Selling Sunset, you will see while both types of reality television shows are entertaining in their own right, they are so they could not be more different. And it really depends on what you're looking for. And I think with Adam DeVello's type of reality show, you're watching more of a TV show that calls itself a reality show and is shot like a reality show whereas with real housewives you're watching i think like the prime example of the best reality television if you like reality television this is the best that reality television can be uh, in its form
0: yeah, I think one thing to think about is like, uh, in a way that Sally, that like, I think you and I can sort of understand it is like just thinking about things like a, a, any piece of media is like written content, H- having a different editor and a different um, at a different publication is going to feel different. And like, they're going to have a different vision for it. And it's going to be, they're going to have a different illustrator that they bring in for it, like they're going to like just approach it differently. They're going to have different sources who they talk to to tell this story. And that's, these things just have different fingerprints. And so it's easy to be like, oh, it's reality TV. They're about groups of, you know, rich, seemingly aspirational women. And like, but they're just like, there's they're not the same. And then even within Real Housewives, you see, because they're not all produced by the same production crew. And so they have like a very different fingerprint. I think like Potomac is very, very funny. And the producers are big fans of like, somebody says something and they immediately cut to, they're saying, I never said that. And then they immediately cut to the footage of a person (laughs) saying it. That happens a lot and I don't see that as much on the other one. So like there are these little different, you know, I really think like think about how an editor has a voice and brings that through like that also like heavily applies to reality shows. And so you're going to get different experiences and watching it with all these different ones. And so you do kind of have to like poke around to find the one that you like if you're interested. Like Mm -hmm. no one has to watch any of these shows, but I do think like I wouldn't rule The Real Housewives out based on, like, how Selling Sunset has been because I I do think they're really different.
1: Agree. That's really helpful. I hope that, like, if there's anyone out there listening who's as much of a ding-dong as I am who thought that, like – one example of a genre is an example of an example over the entire genre. They now understand that <laughs> with like a different cast and editors and crew and producer, it is going to be a totally different show. I, I like
0: think I don't think that's a ding dong thing to think. I think that's like fairly understandable, especially if you don't have much experience with it or like like how would you know that? Like it's very like reality TV is often spoken about as like one big bucket, but, like, within that there is, there's competition, there's things that feel more documentary-like, there's, like, there's so many different levels. And so I think, like, just challenging that notion a little bit will, like, make it more worth your while to, like, look into different ones and not, like, rule anything out entirely. Like, you might find that you don't like any of it, but again, like, The Bachelor, so boring, couldn't stand it, and then this is a whole different beast that's like so much more fun to watch.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm really excited to dive in. I, I, sadly, I feel like we have to start wrapping up, but you know, maybe what we'll do is like, I'll go watch some Real Housewives. We'll, we'll come back, bring you on, Caroline. We'll just like chop it up and we'll figure it I out. I would
2: love that. I really need you both to start. See, I will hold a gun to your head to start season three of New Jersey. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's I, it's the most I, important I can, season to me, honestly, of, okay, of any Real Housewives. I can,
1: I can commit to that. Okay. Caroline, you, that was amazing. Thank you. I like, so happy. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's like having someone who like wrote the book on the topic, come and talk to you about the topic.
2: And if anyone out there has the power to let me write a book on the topic, I would love to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Caroline.
0: (laughs) Caroline, before we go into our final segment and I think to end on, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can find g Thanks.
2: Yeah, so I am on Instagram as G just bought it pod on that Instagram. In the link, you can find where to listen to episodes. New episodes come out every Friday, and also a link to the Patreon. If you like talking about reality television from the early two thousands, Nora and I do have a Patreon show called Nobody Asked, where we have sort of rewatched and talked about similarly to the way we talked about it on this episode. Just sort of how we took in that reality show at the time funny things we notice we just finished the ashley simpson show we're moving on to laguna beach love to see you there and yeah i'm actually not tweeting anymore so i will not even say twitter but that's where you can find me on instagram that's what Mm -hmm. takes up all of my time
1: you're like a shooting star on twitter if you catch if you look up at the sky at the right time you can see caroline active on twitter but if you miss it a moment of weakness yeah exactly (laughs) All right, so let's move on to our
2: final segment, a nice thing to end on. A nice thing to end on. So I felt like I've talked about Nora the entire time, but because we are talking about reality TV show- shows, I think it's only fair to bring her up because she's my other half in that in that genre of life. But Nora McInerney has a store called the Nora store where she sells merch and i just got this sweatshirt called that says everyone loves a depressed girl and it has <laughs> little bottles of like prescription pills on them and i just i love it so much i wore it the other day and like four people stopped me and wanted to talk about it at the coffee shop that i was at and i just think a i think it's nice to to wear your mental health on your person and b I don't know. I just love it. I love like merch and all of the proceeds from this merch drop are going to Nora's friend Gigi, who just discovered that she the tumor that's growing behind her eye is continuously growing and Mm -hmm. all of the profits or proceeds are going to help her pay for like just the amount of medical bills she has. So I don't know. It's a win win for me. And I wanted to give it a shout out because I love it. Caroline, where can people get stuff from the Nora store? So if you are interested in buying Everyone Loves a Depressed Girl or one of the other sweatshirts or t shirts or hats in this series, there's anxious, there's chaotic, you can go to shop.noraborealis.com. That's N O R A B O R E A L I S. And yeah. So I'll see I'll if I see you wearing one and I'm wearing one, I'll give you a thumbs up on the street. I love that. I was just I went to the URL and I was looking at the
1: stuff here and it's it's really fun. Yeah. Really fun designs.
2: Okay. My nice thing to
1: end on is this short video called Pass the Ball. It's like two and a half minutes, and it's 40 animators who have been working over 40 months, I guess. And it's a video where each animator, like, designs a scene with a ball and then passes it to the next animator who then takes what they did and create their own scene and passes it to the next animator and it's just really cool and it's like one of those examples of I guess it was started before the pandemic I don't know has the pandemic been going for 40 months that seems long no that would be no right no okay it's been going but on it, for
2: 24 months 24, 24 months right
1: okay but it to me it is like kind of a good example of like the kinds of things we were seeing during the pandemic when people were recording like those Rube Goldberg machines or like doing concerts like on Zoom, where it's just Mm. like people doing this art together from afar. And it's just really cool. And there's like very jaunty music that plays. And if you just need like a two and a half minute break to watch a, a fun, cool, jaunty thing, check out Pass the Ball. And I will link to it in the show notes. I love that. Rachel, what's your nice thing to end on? Okay. My nice thing
0: to end on is that I discovered today that the author of a book I really liked from a few years ago has a new book out. So the book that I really liked from a few years ago was called The Nature Fix. The author is Florence Williams. And this is a book that I – like, I've written about this quite a few times because it, like, fundamentally changed how I thought about the outside world and, like, is a big reason I'm now like, oh, I got to go outside into nature more. Like, it really – spoke to me on like a deep level. And I found out that she has a new one out. And the new book is called Heartbreak. The headline I saw today, Heartbreak is a post-divorce exploration of grief, self-discovery, and the healing power of nature. So her husband of 25 years announced that he wanted a divorce very suddenly. And so this is sort of a memoir of that, as I understand it, and is like also how she's processing that and like using nature to help her. And then, and it's also like about the science of heartbreak and, and why we feel grief and why we feel bad. And so it feels like again, like this book, The Nature Fix was like so helpful to me when I was going through my divorce that like to have it come full circle like this is just like really wild. And I think she's great. So I bought it immediately. I'm really excited to start reading it and definitely recommend her first book. And hopefully her second one is as great as the first, but just a nice thing that an author I like has a new book out. I think it's great.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome that what you just read of it sound both books sound fascinating. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Okay. We did it. Caroline, thank you again for being here. It was really fun, really informative, and
2: I can't wait to report back to you. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to assault both of you via text until <laughs> you sit down and watch the third season of Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I will start texting you right after we finish recording.
0: <laughs> Amazing. I we know the- what we're doing this weekend. Yeah, exactly. accountability.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Okay. So thank you for listening to this episode of Oh, I Like That. Please rate us and review us wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at Oh, I Like That Pod or email us at Oh, I Like That Pod at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm the underscore R-E-W-M and Sally is at Sally T.
1: Oh, I Like That is produced by Rachel and Sally and edited by Lucas. Amber Seeger, who is Rocket Orca on social media, designed our logo.